We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always on today's show I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on Rotoviz Overtime. Sean, we teased it on Tuesday's episode, we do have a very special guest for today's show and for Saturday's show, we're delighted to say that we're going to be joined by Matt Hicks, you can follow Matt on Twitter at the FF underscore educator, and of course, we're going to hear about it a little bit closer to the end of the show, but Matt's done a fantastic job as well with the Rookie Big Board podcast. But Sean, it's uh, it's just the uh, mannerly thing to do to, to welcome the guest to the show before we we get to you. So uh, Matt, thanks for jumping on. We're going to be excited here to to dive into some of these prospects, and I know you've been diving into the tape over the last weeks and months. So uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's the best time of the year. It's it's full on rookie fever, so I'm excited to chop it up. Yeah, we always. It's hard to say. I think me and Sean go through week by week that it is the best time of the year. Um, you know, there there is no off season at the moment. It is pretty consistent around the NFL landscape, but particularly what's happened over the last three or four days uh, around the NFL has been pretty pretty damn uh, crazy. But on today's show, we are going to talk wide receiver and tight end but sean i know you want to jump into the the big picture element first i do and and matt uh, listeners should know that they can watch your youtube videos of these prospect breakdowns and i've been watching uh, some of those and enjoy the big board element Uh, give us sort of the the big picture before we get going here Uh, explain to the listeners sort of what your process is and how you're going about your prospect rankings. Yeah, absolutely. So I know folks like to break break it down into a tape and, and analytics category here. I focus on the tape. I'm you know, certainly uh, a fan of balancing with analytics too, but my process is a, is a tape evaluation process. And so what I do is I built out formulas specific to positions. I grade players based on the skill sets that I observe and their traits that I have found translate specifically for fantasy football. That is the majority of my, uh, what I call a rookie big board rating, but it also balances out with uh, opportunity or my opportunity index, which is everything from draft capital to my future projections for players. And I try to balance those two things 
to give folks an idea of the, the value of the rookie, you know, throughout the entire process, because it's such a fluid process, right? And it can be so hard to grasp an idea of rookie value. And I love being able to track those guys all the way from when they're Devian college prospects, you know, through their first couple of years in the NFL. Yeah, when we look around, you know, obviously you mentioned Debbie there, like, you know, all these different formats, particularly in fantasy football, are continuing to grow. But people want to know what these players are like coming into the NFL, but then they want to know like for dynasty drafts, for redraft, for pretty much everything. Myself and Sean are talking early baseball drafts at the moment. So uh, the more rookie stuff and the more information you can get there, the more advantages there is to be had uh trail on burks talking wide receivers first here uh, appeared to be a rising kind of draft commodity uh, over the last couple of weeks um and then you know starting to match the fantasy community's enthusiasm uh, before the combine where is he now and where should he be uh, i guess is the second question to follow up on that yeah, you know, Traylon Burks is so interesting. You go and you watch his film and you understand why folks are getting really excited about him, right? He's a big man. He's very athletic. He has great hands. He's very raw when it comes to route running, but there's opportunity to improve that. Arkansas got him the ball any way they could. Direct snaps, handoffs at the line of scrimmage, targets in the flat. And we're talking about a guy who's coming in at 220 pounds, right? So you can kind of see that versatility. We're coming off of a year where Debo Samuel took over the NFL, and folks got really excited about that. I think what if, if folks are kind of just getting a feel for this rookie class now, I think why it feels Traylon Burks' value has dropped so much because of the combine is that that top tier of, of wide receivers. So the top four guys I would consider uh, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London, and some folks will make an argument for Jamison Williams. It's so close at the top that I think folks have kind of used some less than exciting combine numbers and pro day numbers now from Traylon Burks as justification for sliding Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave above him but which is totally valid. But, you know, even if Traylon Burks is coming in at wide receiver three or four for you right now, it's not a significant jump for me personally from wide receiver one to four. So I still consider him to be a great prospect, but it's going to be a lot of, uh, of, of user preference here over the next couple months. Now you mentioned some of these additional touches, and that's something that does come into a lot of our sort of analytics approach to it where we see those numbers do help and are positive indicators for players and how they translate to the nfl is that something that pops for you also when you're thinking okay more of a tape-based process that you want to see these guys involved with their teams and does that and you already kind of mentioned how it counterbalances to an extent the rawness as a route runner but does that kind of balance it out for you and, and put him in this category where you'd expect nfl teams to do some of that as well you know, it's 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 a tricky spot for me because I, I see two sides of it, right? One side of it, and, and this is where my prospect uh, process differs a little bit, I think, than a lot of film guys. I've learned to devalue route running as a trait. It doesn't really translate to fantasy football, right? Like NFL teams kind of make you run the routes that they need you to run, and you don't need to run all nine routes and run them well in college to be successful in the NFL. And just because you are successful as a route runner in college, i.e. Jerry Judy, it doesn't mean you're always going to translate you know, necessarily for fantasy purposes. Um, so I've learned to devalue the route tree, uh, but route running can still be really important. I like to hone in on some specific pieces of route running, the ability to release off the line of scrimmage against press coverage, right? The ability to separate, uh, separate downfield, right? Those are key elements for me, but I've been cautious also with these high volume guys, right? Because it's all about how you can project what they're going to do in the NFL. 
So I faded Rondale Moore last year. I faded Kadarius Toney uh, as kind of these high, what I would call manufactured production guys, right? Because I didn't see a clear path to be able to project them into volume, you know, given their size, given, you know, kind of their gadgety ability. Well, I should say Kadarius Toney was a little gadgety. Rondale Moore is just going to be stuck in the slot in the NFL, right? Or at least split in. And so that can limit volume. The difference here with Traylon Burks, who did see a lot of manufactured production, is there's room, I think, to develop in that route running. There's room to project him as a boundary wide receiver. And most importantly, there's room to project him as a red zone target, right? Which isn't something we could have said about high manufactured production guys like Rondale Moore and Kadarius Toney. So that's a little bit of a long-winded way of answering your question. But generally, I fade manufactured production in college. But because I can project a little bit further with Traylon Burks, I'm not, you know, necessarily fading him because of that. Now, you had mentioned these Ohio State wide receivers. And I think anytime that we talk with somebody who is looking at it from a, a tape perspective, we're really excited to hear kind of what they see as the differences. Because you look at this combine, you know, very impressive numbers in terms of the 40, you know, maybe more mediocre numbers overall. They come out with these athletic comps where maybe Will Fuller is someone who you're looking at as more of an optimistic comp. And yet we know that their production at Ohio State, especially within context, was absolutely fantastic. How are you looking at these guys? You know, Where do you rank them? And how do we understand them, especially when you think about Williams and the element there with him moving to Alabama? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Ohio State, basically a wide receiver factory. And guess what, folks? It's not it's not stopping anytime soon with Smith and Jigba and then uh, Emeka Abuka uh, uh, and, and even more down the pipeline there for Ohio State. So we're going to be having this problem for a couple of years to come now. You know, Chris Olave right now, uh, and of course there's time before we get to the NFL draft. Uh, Chris Olave right now just bumped up to my wide receiver one. We just talked about some reshuffling of Traylon Burks because of the combine. Alave was my wide receiver too. He went ahead and just leapfrogged uh, Traylon Burks uh, and slid up above him. Chris Alave for me specifically, uh, really fast. I think he proved that right at the combine, even with his adjusted 40 time. But it's not just his, his speed. He plays under control. He's such a fluid wideout for his speed. Really, really fantastic handwork. Um, and, and that reliable uh, handwork is something that's really important for me. Um, I know it sounds almost simple, but the ability to catch the ball is highly weighted in my formula. It's why I faded guys like Jalen Rager, right? Guys who have drops in college. Um, but, you know, you look at Garrett Wilson versus Chris Olave. Wilson does a lot of the same things. I think where people are excited about Garrett Wilson, and for good reason, he's a more technical route runner, right? A little bit more polished, has a little bit wider of a route tree, also has very good hands, also is fast, has good body control. Um, but these guys are, are very similar in, in what they're going to be asked to do at the next level, right? Um, and so, you know, it's a little bit, again, of user choice. But for me, because I value that route running as a whole a little bit less, I have Chris Olave one, I have Garrett Wilson three. Um, and, you know, I don't knock players for not being able to necessarily take over a huge market share of their offense, right? If there's good reason behind it, you know, context, I think is important. Um, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I, I can lean into the fact that I watch way too much college football on Saturdays and probably have a good feel on most offensive schemes in college football. I mean, you look at Jamison Williams, 
I mean, Jamison Williams may have gotten 10% of the market share, right? If he was on the field this year, if he had stayed at Ohio State, ends up transferring to Alabama, he's put in the position to succeed, and he's super successful at it. You know, Williams, it's a real shame that he wasn't able to run at the Combine. We very well may have had a new 40-time record. I mean, he comes from a track family. He's super fast, and he proved that at Alabama, showing the ability to work along the boundary. Uh, sometimes these fast guys, you know, we get a little scared off of them. Henry Ruggs, John Ross, uh, because they're just straight speedsters. Jamison Williams, excellent handwork, really good footwork as well in his route running ability. And he shows the ability to change direction really well for somebody that fast. And so I think there's a lot of versatility behind Jamison Williams. Of course, one of the things that is important is draft capital. I think the big question will be, you know, what type of draft capital does Jamison Williams capture coming off of that injury? relative to his former teammates at Ohio State. I do expect Alave and Wilson to both go you know, in that 10 to 20 range. And I, I know it might surprise some folks, but in this year's draft class with how much talent is at the top, I think that injury might slide Jamison Williams into that late day one, early day two category. And that is a tier break for me in terms of draft capital. And so that's why Williams right now is my wide receiver five. But again, it's hard to go wrong at the top of this wide receiver class. When you're watching Ohio State, I mean, they've got so much talent, you're not going to be able to take these guys away. But is there an element at any point, either this year or in previous years, where there was one guy the defense was focusing on and that skews the numbers a little bit? Or are defenses kind of game to game focusing on different players? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you look at Ohio State this year, and I think early on it was a lot of focusing on Alave and Wilson. Uh, and then it opened up the field for Smith and Jigba, right? And you could see Alave's numbers actually improve towards the end of the year because defenses realize against Smith and Jigba, they were getting burned over the top, right? Alave is not necessarily going to beat you over the top. He's going to cut up the underneath in the middle of the field. And you could see as those games got more important, as every score mattered, teams were a little bit more cautious to hold uh, Smith and Jigba and were willing to open up the field for Chris Alave, right? And I think, you know, we can take a lesson from that when projecting to the NFL. I say, you know, one of the best things is for these, uh, these you know, rookie wide receivers to go to an NFL offense, not necessarily that's the most high scoring. Of course, that's helpful, but we want to see them go to an NFL offense where there's going to be another wide receiver that pulls top coverage off the field for them, right? Especially guys like Wilson and Alave who can absolutely eat up the underneath of the field, right? Like a guy like Drake London, I'm a Drake London fan as well. But no matter what, he's probably going to gain the attention of a top defender, right? Even if there's another good wide receiver playing opposite of him, he's going to be in the X role. He's going to be playing along the boundary. And in the red zone, he's going to get doubled up. A guy like Chris Alave can slide by, right? If you have to worry about a top 12, top 20 NFL wide receiver on the opposite side. You mentioned there as well. I think you said you kind of had a top five and then a tear break. Uh, so um, is it quite a clear tear break at that point for you? I'm going to get into the second tier guys in a minute, but is that quite a clear tear break after that spot? Yeah, for me, you know, I, I kind of, I like to break my tiers uh, into fantasy football projection, right? And so the top five guys, Alave, Burks, Wilson, London, and Williams are all guys that are on that uh, weekly starter, what I call weekly starter to league winner border right there. And for me, those are guys who can land in that wide receiver 12 to 24 range, right? Um, you know, maybe some years they're wide receiver ones, maybe some years they're back end wide receiver twos. Um, but they're going to be guys that you that are just going to be consistent pieces on your team, right? I don't think you're going to get a Jamar Chase, right, where you're going to be able to build your franchise around them. 
but they're always going to be sitting there as your wide receiver too, and it's going to feel very comfortable, right? You're not going to be sweating it week in, week out, having them on your team. Once we get past that and jump into our next tier, we're more on that you know, back-end wide receiver two, early wide receiver three territory, which is still really important for your fantasy team, but they become, depending on your format, a little bit less valuable. Yeah, you mentioned they could be less valuable, but they are very important all the same. Who are some of those second-tier wide receivers for you? And I, I know, obviously, it's very hard to say, you know, these guys are must-draft when they're not in that top tier, but guys that you think, like, if you're stockpiling draft picks this year across multiple dynasty leagues, for example, that you want to be be drafting, is there any of those guys that you just want to get over and over again? Yeah, my big thing, you know, it's kind of just like my running bit on Twitter is every couple months I just tweet out and tell people to buy second round picks, right? Because this is what happens. We always get to this time of the year and there's really valuable, you know, second tier uh, of a position just hanging around. And this year, I love Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. You know, he's super fast. He's going to beat you over the top. He's got really excellent hands. I know folks are worried about a smaller frame. That's justified, but he has great athleticism and vertical ability, and he makes himself bigger uh, than his frame necessarily suggests that he should. So, you know, if you put Jahan Dotson in an offense like the Chargers, right, we just talked about having some guys that can pull top coverage against you. Well, Mike Williams is back. If you got Mike Williams on one side, Keenan Allen on the other side, and you let Jahan Dotson just absolutely chew up the middle of the field in a high-volume offense, right, that is going to be an excellent situation for him. You know, a big riser right now for me in this tier is Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. You know, Sky Moore was gaining a little bit of hype. I heard probably about a month ago that the NFL was going to value him as a top 100 pick, so I bumped him up. I watched his tape. This guy was absolutely fantastic at Western Michigan in terms of his tape review. Physical wide receiver. He's probably going to be slotted on the inside. He's about 6'0". Uh, I forgot his weight off the top of my head. I think he's coming in in the 190s. Um, and, you know, he was just absolutely dominating Mac defenders, playing big man football, great athleticism, great vertical ability. He goes to the combine. I think he ended up uh, measuring in with bigger hands than Traylon Burks, right? Something like that. He measured in with huge mitts. And now I'm hearing some folks suggest that he's not making it out of the second round. So I think he's going to catch some really good draft capital. And he's somebody I'm watching. Uh, one more guy just to quickly pull out of that tier, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, another guy that really helped himself with the combine but had excellent tape. We're talking about somebody who has that uh, boundary downfield vertical ability but also ran a 4-3, right? And so that to me is two huge pieces that go along with it. Not as much production. He struggled with injury. Uh, in actually transition positions too, originally we're getting to Cincinnati. So it took him until his senior year to get on the field, which is going to scare off breakout age folks. But when he got on the field, and remember, Alec Pierce is catching balls from Desmond Ritter. I'm sure we'll get into him. But he had to go up and make himself pretty big to catch some of those passes. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription enjoy the podcast we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you mentioned more there, Jalen Tolbert, someone else, I think, who came in with the big hands. And th- those numbers sort of jumped out to me because Blair Andrews has a cool piece that I was just sort of refreshing myself on the other day about the nonlinear value of the big hands. Matt, break down for us some of these deep sleepers who came out and had the massive combines. So you mentioned some of these small school guys who had very good combines and sort of solidified themselves, I think, where people were hoping they were going to be. Anybody in this deep sleeper group who was both huge in some cases, but also very, very fast. One of the things that we know is just because you're athletic doesn't mean you can play wide receiver. Doesn't mean you can play in the NFL. Do you like any of these guys? Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of guys that that can go pretty deep into this draft. And, you know, this is where I'm trying to kind of uh, redirect the narrative of this rookie class as best as I can. We know it's not as strong at the top of the class as the last couple of years, but the depth is really fantastic. And I have guys, you know, that fall into that wide receiver four or five range. And remember, dynasty rosters have, you know, 30, 35 guys. It's important that we have these guys that, you know, might go day five or six in the NFL draft. And, and before I give out some names, one thing that I just want to remind folks, keep in mind with draft capital, this year is the most, or I should say this year, there are the most players that have ever declared for the NFL draft. We're seeing the uh, the consequences of that COVID year because even more players are declaring guys who hung around college for an extra year. So you may see somebody go round six, seven, or even undrafted that could have been around four or five pick last year, right? Especially at the wide receiver position. So just throwing that out here, uh, Bayless Jones Jr. out of Tennessee had an excellent combine, ran a very good time. Bayless Jones has been in college for six years, which I know is going to turn off some folks right away. Uh, but he played in that big slot role for the Tennessee Vols offense. Josh Heupel came in, uh, kind of uh, reinvented uh, that offense and really aired it out. Um, and Jones absolutely chewed it up. I think he can play big slot in the NFL. That's a position we've seen really work in the last couple of years. And he can burn you over the top, especially running the seam, right? So Valus Jones really helped himself out. I think he goes day two now, probably in that, in that you know, 85 to 100 range. But I think he's going to sneak into the day two of the NFL draft, which is going to bump up his rookie ADP. You know, think about a guy like Josh Palmer last year. Folks didn't expect him to go around two, around three. And he ends up being, you know, fantasy 
relevant, at least in terms of ADP, right? Another guy who really helped himself, and I think he's still flying under the radar, is Danny Gray at SMU. Danny Gray, another guy that tested very well. I've heard a lot of uh, NFL kind of folks on the ground suggest that he's going to be somebody who pops out of day three. He's going to go day three, probably rounds four or five, but a really fast guy. I've heard him compared to Darnell Mooney in terms of the skill set that he may provide. And so, um, you know, good hands, uh, works well over the top of the field, has a little bit of scheme versatility to him. So Danny Gray is somebody who definitely helped himself out as well. And I wouldn't say that this player, which is, we're talking about sleeper, so I got to mention him, not just the combine, but he definitely helped himself out of the combine, is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I've been hyping the Christian Watson train for a couple months now. I first watched his tape and I was like, man, this guy's super fluid, super athletic, great hands. I didn't even look up his measurables before I watched the tape. You know, based on the way that he was moving, I thought he was 5'10", like a buck 80. I go look up his measurables. Guys, he's 6'3", 210, right? He's a big man. I watched his senior bowl tape. He was the most impressive wide receiver working along the boundary, contested catch monster uh, and he was doing it against NFL DBs, right? Coming out of North Dakota State, you're like, small school. What's going to happen with this guy? Uh, and he went to the combine, and he continued to impress. So I know some folks are even hyping Christian Watson as a first-round pick right now in the NFL draft. I'm not there yet. I think he's probably a top 60, top 75 selection. I'm a huge fan of him. We might get lucky. He might go, you know, late second round to a high volume and explosive passing attack. You know, if he ends up in somewhere like Kansas City, uh, he's going to have an absolute skyrocket in value. So he's super fun. I'm excited to watch him the next couple months. Yeah, sometimes, um, you know, if we can get those teams that are in good positions at the moment to get some of those guys, and it just really amplifies the value there. Jumping in two tight ends now, um, I know this class isn't as exciting a tight end as maybe some of the, the recent years, but Trey McBride has got quite a bit of buzz heading in. Isaiah Likely is another name that's been talked about. Um, how do you feel, I guess, both NFL teams and then fantasy managers can can feel about these guys coming in? Are they can they be true difference makers or, or where what what's your long term outlook, I guess, for them? Yeah, you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of uh of difference here between the way that fantasy football players look at this class and the way the NFL looks at this class. I think there's some guys, you know, that the NFL really does like in this year's class. Like you look at a guy like Jeremy Rucker, you look at a guy like uh, you know, Jake Ferguson, right? Even Peyton Hendershot. These are going to be, you know, two-way tight ends, but mostly guys that can stick their hand in the ground. I think Rucker does have some red zone pass catching ability. Um, you know, he wasn't used the best in terms of his athleticism at Ohio State, but I think the NFL is going to draft some of these guys that we have no interest in higher than we expect, right? But there's some fantasy relevant guys here. Now, nobody is is really in a tier. You know, I should say Trey McBride is in a tier of his own. I think he's got a shot to be a tight end one in the future. Versatile, great pass catcher, physical guy, you know, real two-way tight end. I'm not comparing his skill set. You know, I'm not comparing his talent level exactly to George Kittle, but in the way that he's super physical and can go and catch the ball, you know, you see a little bit of George Kittle and Trey McBride um, past that. We have some athletic guys that might hit, right? And for tight ends, at the end of the day, if we're using our third or fourth round rookie picks on tight ends, athletic guys that might hit isn't the worst way to go about it. So a guy like Greg Dolchich at UCLA, Greg Dolchich, not a lot of hype, was a walk-on wide receiver at UCLA. 
no offers coming out of college, walks on, starts as a wide receiver, transitions to tight end. So he's kind of an undersized tight end. He went to the combine, really impressed, might sneak into day two here. And if he does, I think the fantasy community is going to click on and be really interested in him. Isaiah Likely is the big name. I've been comparing Isaiah Likely to, you know, like a, uh, a a not as beefed up version of Evan Ingram in the way that his play style, he approaches the game. That's not a bad spot to be in, right? And Isaiah Likely, despite the fact he's at Coastal Carolina, four-star recruit. So he's a pretty highly, you know, good pedigree that goes along with nice pass catching ability, athleticism, a uh, decent level of speed for the tight end position. Uh, and then another wide receiver, or I should say another tight end that folks haven't really been paying too much attention to is Cade Otten. That's a guy who the NFL, I think, likes more than the fantasy community right now. He's going to go day two. Uh, I, I feel confident saying that. Cade Otten is another guy, didn't get a lot of volume, uh, played at the University of Washington, uh, was in a really good spot coming into this season. You know, did really well with limited volume at Washington last year. Ended up with an early season injury and he kind of fell off the radar, but he is athletic. He has good passing and catching ability and was not put in a position to succeed in a very bad Washington offense. So Otten is the guy who may just totally surprise us, you know, eight months from now with what he's doing in the NFL because he didn't really get a chance to showcase it in college, but I know folks are really high on him. So there's going to be some dart throws in this tight end class, but I can't sit here and really unfairly hype it up past Trey McBride. So you expect McBride to be the one, and are, are there any young power conference tight ends who might go early and bring that element to the table, or are we mostly looking for these small school guys? Yeah, you know, there's some interesting guys, like Jelani Woods had a really good combine, so he might sneak in, you know, you're kind of getting like some uh, Dalton Keene vibes where, you know, they blow up at the combine or, or who was the guy that got drafted in the same class as Dalton Keene, uh, both to the Patriots. I'm forgetting his name now. You know, the fact that I can't recall his name isn't a good sign. Um, you know, another guy that folks uh, that has just kind of been around a while is Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Uh, you know, a high production guy for the tight end position. Uh, super manufactured targets. I mean, Brock Purdy was just dumping the ball off <laughs> to to Charlie Kohler. Uh, and, you know, Charlie, he looked good. Like, he looked solid. That's a guy who's been hanging around college for a while. Debbie folks certainly know that name. He's He's been in the top of Debbie ranks at times, then fallen off at times. And I think he's just going to land in that, you know, a day three category. But I think the NFL likes him uh, because he's kind of proven that production over time that the NFL likes when tight ends uh, have kind of proved that production over time in particular. So those are a couple guys, you know, I should mention Grant Calcaterra as well. You know, he ended up at SMU, but he was an Oklahoma recruit. Uh, he was at Auburn for a hot second, never actually hit the field with the Tigers. But, uh, you know, he broke out as a true freshman for Oklahoma, had a really great year, uh, ended up uh, medically retiring because of concussions, sits out a year, ends up getting cleared, comes back, and, and uh, finishes off his college career in a high-volume passing attack at SMU. Looks really good doing it. Calcaterra looks like a wide receiver more than he looks like a tight end. And so that's another guy who could you know, end up being you know, a high-pedigree guy that pays off. Before we do wrap up on tight ends, the answer to this may be no, but is there anything else that we haven't touched on on the tight end position that you want to, to elaborate on? Yeah, I got nothing else for you. I will say, you know, well, you know, we should mention this. You know, I know folks, uh, especially in the Debbie community, have uh, been waiting a while for Jalen Weidemeyer. Jalen Weidemeyer's tape is fine, uh, but the more, the further and further we get along in this draft process, the less and less the NFL seems interested in him. 
I'm not sure exactly why, but I think most folks assume that Weidemeyer is going day two. And I just recently updated my projection for him to be early day three. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of a sour note to finish on with tight ends, but, and I could be totally wrong, but everything I'm seeing on Jalen Weidemeyer is he's just sliding further and further down boards. That's a good good way to finish things up. I did mention at the start of the show, the Rookie Big Board podcast, Sean did mention your YouTube channel. Um, I'll leave the floor open to you um, at this point, Matt, but uh, tell the listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm doing in-depth rookie profiles uh, with my partner, John Lobb, on the Rookie Big Board YouTube channel, as well as the Rookie Big Board podcast. We try to cover you know everything you need to know about a prospect, their background, their their tape profile, their numbers from college. We try to do it in ten minutes or less for each uh, profile. We're on twenty something. We're going to end up with forty something finished rookie profiles. And I'm also you know I do this rookie work all year round. This is kind of my niche. And so you know if you're interested in this, uh, I encourage you to go on over to uh, Patreon.com/slash/TheFFEducator. And that's where I have my full rookie rankings and I have the individual profiles, you know, full tape evaluations and those rookies uh, ranked, you know, on top of my uh, Debbie and dynasty rankings, which is all available uh, over there at patreon.com slash the FF educator. So lots of rookie stuff going on. That's perfect. And uh, Matt did mention the Patreon there, very similar to the Twitter handle, which is at the FF underscore educator. So, my tip for everyone is, you know, follow the the guests on Twitter and usually everything that's got going on, you'll find it there one way or another. So follow Matt on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. That's going to do it for today's edition. We did cover wide receivers and tight ends. We are going to be covering quarterbacks and running backs on the Saturday edition of the show with Matt, who's joined us for that one as well. So make sure you come back and check that out. If you are a listener to the podcast and haven't signed up for a Rotoviz NFL pass yet, you can do so by adding the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That gives you a 10% discount and gets you access to all of the content and tools up on the site. Heading into the NFL draft, a perfect time to get yourself set up for the 2022 season. You can also sign up and check out the Rotoviz YouTube channel. Head on over. We are putting up videos and clips there. We may have some live streams coming up over the next couple of weeks so make sure you head on over and click the subscribe button there a link for that is in today's show notes that is going to do it for today's edition of road of his overtime of course you can follow myself on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com we're still trying to see if we will ever get another tweet from the ff underscore contrarian so we will uh, we'll keep waiting for that day to come but until we are back on saturday again along with matt of course have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast <laughs>